Thanks for joining us and supporting Vicky Doe Fitness. We ask for your continued support by becoming an It's All About Health and Fitness premium member. Go to www.vickydofitness.com forward slash join. Again, that's www.vickydofitness.com forward slash join and register for a $6 monthly subscription. And remember, keep listening, sharing, and checking us out. The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about addressing health disparities in our community. As we know, race, ethnicity, sex, sexual identity, age, disability, social economic status, and geographic location all contribute to an individual's ability to achieve good health. Joining us is Dr. Lachelle Pugh, the Assistant Executive Director and Research and Evaluation Director at the Northeast Ohio Black Health Coalition. She will discuss some of the social determinants of health, how they have impact on our community here in Northeast Ohio. She will also discuss some of the initiatives and programs that the Northeast Ohio Black Health Coalition is doing to help address these issues. All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now, here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe, and with us is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks Bright. How are you, D? Hello. I'm good. How are you doing, Vicky? I am fine. It is gloomy and cold. It's getting us. It's getting us. Oh, it's freezing <laughs> out there. I had to pump up my heat in the house. Oh, my goodness. I know. Wow. So know. we are looking at this year will be over. Isn't that, isn't that something? Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. It seemed like this this um year is like a blur. It's so fast. Don't you think? Oh, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Just unbelievable. It's just blown by. Yes, it has. It's blown, blown by. by. It has blown mm-hmm. by. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. 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 But we're here. <laughs> yes, we are. We are we here. Are. <laughs> this is our... 218. This is episode 218. And today we talk about addressing health disparities in our community. Now, the question is asked, what are disparities? Well, according to healthypeople.gov, the term disparities is often interpreted to mean racial or ethnic disparities. But there are many dimensions of disparity that exists in the United States, particularly in health. If a health outcome is seen to a greater or lesser extent between populations, 
then there is disparity. Race or ethnicity, sex, sexual identity, age, disability, social economic status, and geographic location all contribute to an individual's ability to achieve good health. And so it is important to recognize the impact that social determinants have on health outcomes of specific populations. We have organizations and initiatives that are out there. They are striving to assess the situation and then address these determinants of health. And most of all, try to find, they're trying to find tangible solutions to help with these issues. So today we have joining us Dr. Lachelle Pugh, the Assistant Executive Director and Research and Evaluation Director at the Northeast Ohio Black Health Coalition, which is the first nonprofit social justice organization in the state of Ohio dedicated to addressing disparities in the African-American community. Dr. Lachelle will discuss how health and racial disparities have a tremendous impact on our community. She will also talk about the initiatives and programs that Northeast Ohio Black Health Coalition is doing to help address these issues. And we can't wait to hear from her later in this episode. Right, Dee? I'm excited. Yes, absolutely. Well, make sure you go, make sure you go and sign up for our new course on our Vikido Fitness Academy platform, Emotional Intelligence, a comprehensive approach for maximizing performance and quality of life. This is an online eight-week course that is facilitated by our certified emotional intelligence instructor, Kelly Ashby of Kelly Ashby Consulting. Our emotional health, we always talk about that here on Vikido Fitness, at Vikido Fitness, and our emotional health is important, and it affects our health and well-being. And in this course, you will be able to learn and apply the critical core competencies that are needed to relate and navigate in different and sometimes stressful environments. You will also learn to understand your emotions and feelings and will be able to work with teams and colleagues at work and to be able to relate with your families and be more productive and effective in your everyday lives. And so for more information about this course, go to www.vikidofitness.com forward slash emotional intelligence and sign up today. And you will be so glad that you did. Also, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. It's all about health and fitness. Vicky Doe Fitness on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or on any of the platforms that you listen to your podcast. When you subscribe, you will be notified first when we post a new show. You will be able to listen, learn, and experience our shows where we bring in other guests and talk about the things that are important for our health and our well-being in our community. As you know, we do not just talk about our physical health, but we talk about other things that we can do to preserve our mental health as well. We believe here at Vicky Doe Fitness 
on our podcast is all about health and fitness. We believe in total well-being. And so having a holistic approach to healthy living is important. So make sure you go subscribe because you do not want to miss any of our shows. And so go ahead and subscribe today. And last but not least, go on Apple Podcasts or any other platforms that you can rate and review because I want you to rate and review this show because this is how we grow. Give us a five-star review. Do all that you can do. Spread it. Share it because that's how we um, grow and increase our listeners. And we certainly appreciate you. And as always, what do we say, D? Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Well, like I keep saying, D, and I've said it over and over again, my bones, man, it's it's the, my bones are aching. It's cold, you know. Vicky, I mean, <laughs> I felt about two hundred this morning getting out the bed. Oh. I was like, oh my god, everything aches. What temperature is it outside? And I had my temperature up. I've got to have somebody to check my heater because it's up to 74, 75. But, you know, now is the time to get all these things checked. Yes. You know, your, yes. your, your lights and your, your monitors, smoke monitors, your heaters and all of that. Because I suspect we're probably in for another bad winter. We're in. We're in. Yes, we're in. Yep. We got to, what, yep. what they say, we got to hunker down. Hunker down. <laughs> Get ready to hunker down. <laughs> it was so funny last week. I was on a call with some friends, uh-huh. not friends, some colleagues. It was a meeting. Okay. And I don't know what day it was, Vicky. You know that day that we got that blast about the tornado? It was okay, Wednesday yes. One of those days. It was a Tuesday because I, I, I was coming yeah, in was from Tuesday? camp. Yes. Okay. okay. So I was on this call with some friends. Oh, maybe maybe Thursday. Camp. Was it Thursday? And, and all, it was either Tuesday or Thursday. Okay. Because we were on on Wednesday, and I got this blah, blah, and it said, um, you know, go go find, you know, refuge, go down in the basement. That's the first time I've ever seen anything like that, Vicky. It scared me to death. I know. And so I said, to, I said to my group, I said, well, I got to go. And they said, well, yeah, you better go hunker down. <laughs> <laughs> That was scary. Tornadoes were all over this area. Yes, they were. And in fact, Vicki, I left my house and went to the hospital because I had some more work to do. But I said, I probably would be, you know, rather be in the hospital if a tornado hits my house than to be here and it go up. But there, it touched down in a couple of places. Oh, yes, it did. Yeah, it was scary. You know? Yes. And I was was coming in from... From yeah. Kent and then from my office. Was it scary? Because it yeah. was kind of like swirling around out there, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was pouring down, raining. Yeah. It oh, was... yes, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, I'll tell you what day it was. I know what day it was because I had gone out to have a manicure. It was on Thursday. Okay, okay. That's the day it was because I had driven out to Sharon and the, it was raining cats and dogs. Yes, it was. And then later that evening, yes. they had the tornado alert that lasted until about 7, 7.30. That's like it. That. That's exactly yeah, it. Yes. Yeah. You know, when that happens, I'm like, okay, the cold front is coming to hit the the, the, the hot front. Some of that, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, you know, don't you think? I don't know. It just seems to me on our on our end, mm-hmm. we're getting more we're getting more storms down our street. More yes, we are. Trees and stuff. Is it me? Is no, it no, it's it's happening because we had some trucks this morning cutting down limbs. What were they doing down there? I saw them. Yes, down there. they were they were trying to cut down trees and stuff because you know all these branches and trees are getting uprooted now with yeah. these with, with the wet situation and the different storms and stuff. Uh-huh. So people uh-huh. are, you know trying to get it especially in the, you know because we got yeah. a lot of wooded area behind yeah, the house mm-hmm. well you know i got a i got a letter you know i had two two they weren't trees they were just big gigantic humongous branches off of the trees that i had a claim last year and a claim this year and don't you know i already have gotten a call from the insurance company you know one of those well you might want to look at your trees that's one of those we're getting ready to cancel you before you give us another claim uh-huh. And yeah. I'm like, yeah. Is yeah. That my fault? Is that my fault? No, it's not. God? Is that my fault? You know. I know. So yeah, I just noticed on our street we're having a lot of issues. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. The weather is changing and it you is. know, I'm I'm getting older, so there it is. Well, yeah, well, you know what? I can't say anything, but my mother turned 104. She don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we can't complain, right? She don't want to hear. She don't want to hear about getting old. She don't want to hear. Keep it moving. Keep, Keep it, it moving. moving. That's it. That's Keep it. it. Yeah. So, how was your week then? Did you do anything? It was good. Okay. Yeah, um, I did on Sunday. Okay. I went to the Cleveland Museum of Art. They had a concert with this group that I've been following called Apollo Fire. Okay. It's an, a Baroque group. Okay. Just plays um, string instruments, and they did Vivaldi's Four Seasons okay, in the wow. museum, and it was really nice. And you know what they did? Uh-huh. You had to have your vaccine card before you were allowed into the auditorium. Wow. So you had to stand in line with your mask, and you had to show either on your phone or in your person, on your person, a vaccination card. I said, okay. Okay. This is what we're talking about. That's this it. This is what we're talking about. That's yeah. it. So, yeah. oh, wow. Yep. But yeah, that sounds yeah, great then. Yeah. I haven't been to the museum yeah, yeah. for a minute. Mm-hmm. And I looked around a little bit, and the museum store is fabulous. you got to get up there and look. Okay. I bought so many things for Christmas gifts. So okay. Actually, actually, I'd love to go with you one day because I didn't really see. There's a big exhibition on motherhood. Oh, that sounds good. A great art exhibition on motherhood with lots of artists. And I have a, you know, a free ticket and we can go up together one day. Yeah, let's do, do that. that. And have lunch. Yeah, let's okay, do that. We'll that plan. sounds good. We're All okay. right. Yes, yes. So what is going on this week, D? <laughs> Everything, Vicki. Everything. Everything. I said, you know what? We got to talk about some of the, the good things that are happening in our community. And so... I kept seeing this on Facebook, and then I also saw a little part. It was on on TV. They were talking about this young six-year-old girl makes history as Georgia's youngest certified farmer. They did a small write-up as well on blacknews.com, and... Uh It's from what South Fulton, you know. I know about Fulton County, you know, because uh-huh. uh-huh. I'm I'm yes, I was yes. born and raised in ATL, so in hot hot Atlanta. Hot Atlanta, that's right. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. 
But this was written South Fulton, Georgia. They say meet Kendall Ray Johnson, who at just six years old is being recognized as the youngest certified farmer in, in the state of Georgia. With the guidance of her mother, Kendall has started her own farming business called a Grow Culture. And she calls, she says, Grow, uh, capital R-O-W, then Culture, K-U-L-T-U-R. And has joined several farming organizations such as Georgia Grown, a division of Georgia's Department of Agriculture, and the Georgia Farm Bureau. With that, She's officially, she officially became a farmer who is eligible to apply for land purchases, uh-huh. grants, and scholarships that could help her farming business grow. I thought that was cool, right? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and that's she was on, cool. isn't that good? She was on Good Morning America, and, and it says she started out, this is what her mother is saying, she started out in a patio garden, and then the patio garden grew with a little bitty something too. By the time her fourth birthday came, she had a full-fledged garden in our backyard. And this is what Kendall's mother, Ursula Johnson, told Good Morning America. And then we moved. Now she has a farm. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a good story. That is a good story. So it says that Kendall apparently inherited her green thumb from her great-grandmother, Laura, Kate Williams. Since then, she started to grow everything from strawberries to okra, carrots, squash, and zucchini. Moreover, Kendall, who was discovered and supported by Georgia State Representative Mandisha Thomas, launched a monthly gardening club and offers a subscription food box. With it, she hopes to spread awareness about gardening and farming to other families and young aspiring agriculturists and has so far raised $85,000 for the efforts. Now, right, now Kendall also aims to raise $10,000 to develop her backyard garden to be able to grow more produce and reach more people in the community. So she has set up a a GoFundMe page, which has so far raised about $3,000. So kudos to her, right? Definitely kudos to her. Wow, that's great. So young. Isn't that young? And the way these prices are going... We might have to uh, uh, take some lessons. We all may need our own garden, (laughs) most definitely. I know my sister during the COVID crisis, she lives in California, so it's a little easier for her. She started growing her own stuff, zucchini and tomatoes and watermelons and all this stuff. You know, yeah, I have to. Yeah, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do, right? (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Well, the next one I thought was interesting is Dad's Own Duty show Louisiana high school students they have someone in their corner. And this was in the, the week. This is a good one, too. Oh, after multiple fights at Southwood High School in Shreveport, Louisiana, and it resulted in the arrest of 23 students, a group of about 40 dads stepped up to put a stop to violence. Known as dads on duty, the men are on campus from the time students first arrive to when they go home for the day, taking shifts to ensure there are always several fathers at the school. The dads are there to lift spirits, tell jokes, 
dole out advice and just let the kids know there's someone looking out for them. That's so important. Isn't that great? Michael, uh-huh, Michael Lafitte told CBS News he started Dads on Duty because we decide the best people who can take care of kids are who? Are us. Since the group formed, there have been no fights on campus. With one student explaining, the school has just been happy, and you can feel it. How about that? Isn't that great? Oh, my goodness. How about that? Uh Uh-huh. Dads on Duty will have a permanent presence at Southwood High, and the group would like to see other chapters from from across the country. Not every student has a father figure or male role model in their life, one dad said. So just to be here makes a big difference. That's another feel-good story. That's a feel-good story for sure, right? It is. That's a good story. You know, you just hear so much about violence, gang violence, broken homes, and this, that, and the other. But here you have some black men Mm -hmm. stepping up to the plate, you know, to help these kids out. Yes, to help the kids out. So I, I love that story. I love that story. With that story, Dads on Duty, it would be nice to see more of those type of group, that that group, you know, that chapter, it would be nice to see you it know, in different it schools. It would be great because, you know, didn't one time the 100 black men do something like that? Something like that, yeah. And I know... Didn't, wasn't there an organization of 100 black men that maybe stepped up to the place to do that? Now, I say black men and the dads on duty may be, you know, all ethnicities uh-huh. involved. So not just black men, the fact that they're any man, male figure is great for these kids. Yes. And so I think you're right. I think the 100 black men chapters have done that. I know they greet them at the first day of school. I know the dads come and, and greet greet the students, you know. Right. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I I just I really love this. Dad's on duty. Yes, that's yes, great. yes. That's mm-hmm. great. All right. So our next one is low income Americans and food banks are struggling to make rising food prices work. And this was written in the week. As food prices continue to rise thanks to supply chain knots, labor shortages, and inflation, lower income Americans who tend to spend a higher percentage of their earnings on food and housing, as well as food banks and pantries, are struggling to keep up. And this reports the New York Times. Robin Mueller said she used to buy ground beef for her Indianapolis-based family once or twice a week. Now she can only afford once or twice a month. And this was written in the Times. You have to pick and choose, Muller um, said. At once, $13 to $14 case of peanut butter now costs $16 to $19. And green beans that used to go for $9 a case are up to $14 per, added Alexandra McMahon. Director of Glenner's Food Bank of Indianapolis. It has been a big impact, explained Glenner's COO, Joseph Slater of the Surge. Among the items going up in price are meat, fruit, dairy products, grains, and oils, per the Times, said the Times. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the price of meat, poultry, fish and eggs in U.S. cities are up 15 percent 
since the start of 2020. It's a slow motion train wreck that isn't going away anytime soon, cautioned Michael Swanson, chief agriculture economist at Wells Fargo. Meanwhile, though pandemic-linked demand for some food banks and pantries has let up recently, things are nowhere near pre-COVID condition, says the New York Times. And an increase in food costs makes those operations even harder. There are certain items that are outside our reach because of the price, said CEO of the Oregon Food Bank, Susanna Morgan. Warren Michael Swanson, the Wells Fargo economist, said the scary thing is that food companies haven't passed along all of their costs yet. So I guess we got to think about more increase in food prices. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's crazy. And, you know, I try not to eat a lot of beef, you know, for whatever reason. But when I do, I look at the prices and I'm just, it's like she said, hamburger or ground beef or lean ground beef, any of it. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Uh-huh. You know, I know people, I know people in rural Ohio that are buying cows because the price of beef is so up, it's up so high uh-huh. that the sale of beef is so fantastic. I mean, that's you, you feel badly about doing that to the little cow, but, I mean, they're buying cows because the price of beef is exorbitant. They can sell the beef, the meat for great price. Wow. Yeah, that's happening. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. that's crazy. It is crazy. I yeah. know. Maybe we should do more plant-based eating, forks over knives you know, that, or something. That speaks <laughs> to that. That certainly speaks to that, yeah. But, uh-huh. you know, as they said, even if you want to do that, the price of, you know, the other day I went in to get, I forget what it was that I wanted, uh-huh. some, some uh-huh. vegetable or something. Yeah. And the price was just crazy. Yeah. It was crazy. I guess we back to trying to do some gardening and farming. I know that's right. <laughs> some, something. Put some pots inside your house and start growing some of these mugs. <laughs> I know. Dude. I know. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Well, what's the latest then, D? What's the latest? Well, hot off the press today, last night, the FDA Advisory Committee has approved the use of Pfizer vaccine in a lower dose for children from 5 to 11. Now, the way this works is that Pfizer presented it to the FDA Advisory Committee yesterday. They approved it uh, probably tomorrow or Friday. It will go to the FDA for them to sign off of it. Actually, I think it went today. Tomorrow, mm-hmm. I believe it will be going to the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, ACIP. And then Monday or Tuesday, Dr. Michelle Walensky from the CDC will sign off on it, and on it, and probably by next weekend, people will be able to take their kids there from five to eleven to get vaccinated. Okay. Yeah. So that yeah. that so, will since since you know you've been talking about vaccination, that's a that's a big population with the children. That's, that's a, huge. Yeah. yeah. That's huge. Mm-hmm. And they say between the five and eleven to fifteen to seventeen, it could be about twenty million individuals. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So that's significant. That is significant. Okay. And I think it's going to help, too, with these schools. You know, I don't know about you, but Mm -hmm. I just keep hearing the drip, drip of these kids getting positive in school and 
I know. Having to come home and quarantine, and then some kid has been exposed, and then you got to get the kid tested. And, you know, you, you can't follow the – I just saw yesterday the Ohio guidelines for schools and kids with COVID or exposure. Mm-hmm. I couldn't understand them, Vicki. I know. And I'm an ID specialist. <laughs> I couldn't tell. They were as clear as mud. Oh, <laughs> clear as mud. It was nowhere in the world. And if I don't understand them, I can imagine parents and teachers and edu- educators and and yes, yes, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's crazy. Oh, but yeah. but hopefully this will help. Hopefully this will help. Yeah. Yes. Yes. yes hopefully. Yes. All right. Hi everyone. This is Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe. I just wanted to break in for a quick second and introduce to you the sponsor and creator of this show. It's the company I own, Haywood Doe Consulting Co., doing business as Vicky Doe Fitness. We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology-based fitness wellness programs, initiatives, events, health promotion, and health education for special populations such as older folks, children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, cardiac rehab, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life by taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at To find out more about our own site and online programs and services, go to vikidofitness.com. And now back to the show. Well, today we talk about addressing health disparities in our community. According to healthypeople.gov, if a health outcome is seen to a greater or lesser extent between populations, there is disparity. Race or ethnicity, sex, sexual identity, age, disability, socioeconomic status, and geographic location all contribute to an individual's ability to achieve good health. Dr. Lachelle Pugh, the Assistant Executive Director and Research and Evaluation Director at the Northeast Ohio Black Health Coalition, will discuss with us how health and racial disparities have a tremendous impact on our community. She will share with us the initiatives and programs that her organization is doing to help address some of these issues here in our Northeast Ohio community. Let's listen to the interview with Dr. Lachelle Pugh. Well, here with us today is Dr. Lachelle Pugh, the Assistant Executive Director and Research and Evaluation Director at the Northeast Ohio Black Health Coalition, the first nonprofit social justice organization in the state of Ohio dedicated to addressing disparities in the African-American community. 
Dr. Pugh is well known throughout Northeast Ohio for her unwavering commitment and dedication, dedicated advocacy toward creating community-wide health and racial equity for minority communities, especially in our community. Now today, Dr. Pugh will discuss how health and racial disparities have a tremendous impact on the African-American community. She will also talk more about some of the community resources, programs, and projects that are offered by her office. So how are you today, Dr. Lachelle Pugh? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. That's great. Welcome. Welcome. Let's start out by telling us more about your organization, the Northeast Ohio Black Health Coalition, and how you got involved. Well, the Northeast Ohio Black Health Coalition is a social justice organization to address the impact of racism on African-American disparities, including policy inequities, historical trauma, food insecurity, research, behavioral health in addition, um, and health promotion by working to empower, educate, and advocate for health equity in underserved communities. And we're, we were established in 2011, and we're a 501c3 nonprofit. And the Northeast Ohio Black Health Coalition is the first organization in the state of Ohio dedicated to addressing disparities in the black community. I met Ivanka Hall, our executive director, mm, I don't know, I don't recall what year it was, but I was doing work, doing the same kind of work in the community, and I attended a conference that was held, it was hosted by the Office on Minority Health, Okay. the Youngstown Office on Minority Health. Mm -hmm. That's where I first met Ivanka Hall, and I can recall we had a conversation outside. I didn't realize I made that much of an impact on her, but at some point I got an email from her and she was inviting me to be a part of her board. Uh, this is when she first organized the organization and for the first conference, mm -hmm. she invited me to be part of that conference and also uh, to be on the board for the organization. And I have been involved since then, mm -hmm. first as a volunteer, and I was given presentations at conferences. Um, her and I, we traveled different parts of the country presenting information on what we do. And last year in October, she contacted me and said, hey, you know, I didn't have money to pay a staff, but now I have money and I want you to be part of my staff. And I was happy to do it. I was happy to do it. It's the same work that I've been involved in for years, mm -hmm. and now I'm getting paid you know, to do the same thing for this organization. And I'm, I'm actually enjoying it. It's, it's kind of hectic mm -hmm. because of the struggle for money mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and to make sure we can take care of the next initiative and the next one and the next one. So... But it's rewarding work, very okay. rewarding. Okay. Who funds your organization, Dr. Hughes? We apply for grants. Okay. And that's, you know, we don't, we don't always get the grants, 
Sometimes mm-hmm. we do. Mm-hmm. Right now, we've been funded by the Center for Black Health and Equity. Um, we've received subgrant fees from the CSPI, Center for Science and Public Interest, and we've got grants from a, a number of other organizations. We are part of a Community Catalyst grant. That's a grant that's funded by the CDC. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And they, so we're a subgrantee through Community Catalyst. So those are those are a few of the grants that we have. So you are somewhat federally funded as well with the CDC, right? Yes, through okay. through grant funding, and then we're also funded through donations. Okay, yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. Donations, yeah. So mm-hmm. we have people that will just make donations, a one-time donation. We also have sustaining donors who donate on a monthly basis. I met you guys, too, through Ivanka Hall and through you, I think. I think that's how I got that connection and everything. And so you guys do a lot of great things for our community. And so we always ask folks when we talk about disparities to define because people now health disparities, what else? Social determinants is becoming like a, a buzzword. And I don't know if people really know what that means. So could you define what health disparities, what they are, racial disparities, and how they relate to the African-American communities in Ohio and across our nation. You know, what does that mean when we talk about disparities and how it affects us? Well, health disparities are differences in health outcomes and their causes among different groups. So many health disparities are related to the social determinants of health. Mm -hmm. These are the conditions in which people are born, grow, live, work, play, and age. Here's some information for you. Blacks or African-Americans... American Indians and Hispanic groups are more likely to die of diabetes. That's one example of a health disparity. Mm -hmm. Blacks or African Americans and white groups have higher death rates for heart disease and cancer. And then for all three of these diseases, diabetes, heart disease, and cancer, blacks or African Americans have the highest death rates, while Asian Pacific or Pacific Islanders have the lowest death rates. So what mm. we're seeing there mm. is specific racial or ethnicities have higher death rates, higher rates of disease. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about it being related to social determinants of health, what the Northeast Ohio Black Health Coalition does is we target our health initiatives to African-Americans throughout Northeast Ohio, and we have programs designed to improve the conditions in people's environments, which we hope will reduce the effects of the social determinants of health. And again, those being the conditions in environments where we are born, live, work, play, worship, and age. And they have an effect on a wide range of health, Mm -hmm. functioning, and quality of life outcomes and risk. So at the Northeast Ohio Black Health Coalition, one of our main goals is achieving parity. So where you disparities is being unequal across different groups based on some measurement. Mm-hmm. It could be race. It could be income. 
It could be food access. It could be type of job. Hairdressers have a higher incidence, I think it's of bladder cancer. Wow. Oh, wow. So you because find... Because of the chemicals that they use. Because of the chemicals. And oh, I wow. learned that from a hairdresser. Wow. So wow. depending on the job you have, you may be more likely for certain diseases, wow. depending on what you're exposed to. People in doing certain kinds of construction exposed to asbestos. Mm-hmm that put them at risk for uh, lung disease. Mm-hmm. So there are many, many ways to me- measure these disparities. So when we say we want to achieve health parity, we want to see all groups, including African Americans, have better health outcomes. Mm, okay. So what is the scope, what's the scope of your organization? So when we say Northeast Ohio, is that Mahoning, Trumbull, or... It is 16 counties. Oh, wow. There are 16 counties that make up Northeast Ohio. Okay, the 16 counties are Ashland, Uh Ashtabula, Uh Carroll, Columbiana, Cuyahoga, Geauga, Lake, Lorraine, Mahoning, Medina, Portage, Richland, Stark, Summit, Trumbull, and Wayne. So all the way down wow. to Portage and Summit. Oh, okay. All the way down to all the way down to Wayne. My son went to College of Worcester. Okay. Carroll County. That's pretty far south. That is. Wow. Now we are not focusing every single initiative in every county all at the uh-huh. same time. Okay. Uh-huh. But over across time, we do work in all of those 16 counties. So our organization is based in Cleveland, and a lot of our efforts are focused in Cleveland, Youngstown, Akron, Canton, Warren. But we reach have reach throughout all of those counties. So do you target, you know, when we talk about all the things that you mentioned, that's a pretty daunting task. So do you uh, uh, attack all of them simultaneously or you pull out the ones that are the most problematic over a certain period of time? You know what I mean. You know, is hypertension, diabetes high on the list more than cancer? Do you do everything sort of simultaneously across the board? Do you have a dashboard then that includes all of them? Well, we're doing a number of different things simultaneously not always focusing on disease. Um, you know, we're, we're doing something with food insecurity as a result of a need. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. We are working on an initiative right now, our no menthol issue. Yeah. So that's got a heavy focus right now. Uh, we've got a healthy food issue. You know, we're focusing on that. So some of it is grant-based. Okay. Uh-huh. So we're working... We're, we received funds from, I believe, three different grants for work on COVID okay. vaccination. Mm. Okay. So mm. we, you know, we're working on that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because that's a big deal right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're not working on everything all at one time. Mm-hmm. It depends mm-hmm. on the grants that we have. So with that said, let's let's talk about the the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, it has 
disrupted our community, underserved communities. And so give us some key points how it has and then how can we help and how is your organization helping? I see you saying you got the vaccination. Uh, are we getting vaccinated? I don't know. Well, I mean, what are we doing? We are trying to educate people mm-hmm. about why they need to be vaccinated. That's one key. One of our grants calls for us to use targeted messaging. So we've got messaging that we can target, that we can share and post that targets African the African-American population. Okay. There's misinformation. Mm. So we have messaging to counter the misinformation that is being spread through social media and and web sources. So those are some of the things that are going on. Here, here's the other things. You have a lot of people who've lost their jobs. Mm-hmm. Then the opposite end of the spectrum is those people who are overworked because of COVID, especially those individuals working in healthcare settings and nursing homes. Mm. They are the hardest hit. The nurses, the um, the STNAs, even doctors, they're really hard hit. I read um, some of these posts on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really heartbreaking. People talking about what they're going through every day, just trying to survive, just trying to get through the day because the people never stop coming in. Mm. People who are so overworked that they are lacking sleep. I know some of the nursing homes that they're paying, they are doubling, quadrupling what they pay people just because they're having difficulty getting people to come in and work. And so you have people who have had COVID and even months later are still feeling the effects. Oh, and yeah. the long haulers. And so we started a COVID support group for people who have had COVID, for long haulers, and even for those who have experienced a loss due to COVID. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. You have money appropriated or set aside for mental health then to kind of incorporate some of those things that you just talked about? Yes, we do. So okay, great. I'm, great. I'm research and evaluations director. We have a mental health and addictions director, and we also have a public policy director. And so, yes, we have funds for each of those areas. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Now, here's another problem. Okay. Students who did not do their work when schools were remote mm-hmm. right now are requiring extra help to catch up. Ah. I said that yesterday. I gave a talk. I said that yesterday, Dr. Pugh, in a talk I gave at YSU. There's going to be a wide gap here. There's going to be yes. a wide gap. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you who exactly told me that. The cool. individual that told me that runs the after-school program and explained to me that, because my, my grandson loved the after-school program, and he says, mm-hmm. can you see if I can get in? Mm-hmm. And I checked with the person that runs the program, and they said, right now, they are only able to take students who are doing poorly. So the mm. students who didn't do any work mm-hmm. when the schools were on remote, mm-hmm. those are the kids that are being taken into the after-school program, at least in one school that I know of. Wow. Because they are going to be left behind. Yeah. Right now, they're a year behind. 
there are some students that did nothing for an entire year. Wow. And now they're struggling. And wow. so, yeah, that you're going to see that, the trickle-down effect from that, mm. years from now. It's not just going to be this six months or this school year. Right. Every right. school year, kids are going to be getting farther and farther behind, some of them because they're so far behind now mm-hmm. that it's going to be difficult to catch up, and then they won't want to. They right. didn't do it when they were on their own. They're not mm-hmm. going to want to do it now, and it's going to cause problems for those students and in the school settings. Well, you know, I just said this yesterday, like I said, at a talk I gave at YSU, and one of the things, Dr. Pugh, that I pointed out, if you might may or may not agree, I mean, some of it is that maybe they didn't, not that they didn't want to, but they didn't have the resources at home to do it. A lot of people don't have computers. A lot of people don't have Wi-Fi. And you and I know that if you don't have, you know, a loved one or somebody, pardon my friends, kicking your butt at home to do your homework or get your homework, if mom and dad or mom or dad or somebody's not at home, you're not going to have that push and or motivation to do those kinds of things or don't have your parents don't have money you know to hire a tutor for you kind of thing so it's going to be huge well let me say this most of the schools that i'm aware of most of the schools in this area provided computers Mm. to students Mm. and made hotspots available oh wow right so did not know that. Did you know that, Vicki? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. The school that my grandchildren attended at that time, every student had had their own computer that they took home. Okay. And Mm -hmm. for families that needed it, they made hotspots available. Mm. I believe City of Youngstown had those Mm -hmm. same capabilities. I I just remember reading that, that Youngstown... Mm -hmm. They had computers available. They made hotspots available. You know, they had the cords. I won't say that there were some that didn't have the resources, mm-hmm. but for those who had the resources and mm. still didn't do it, it was, it could have been a lack of someone to oversee them. Um, I think that could have been, been a part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if the parent was working, you know, you can't be at work and make sure your kid's doing the, Doing no, what they're you supposed cannot. To do no, you know. I, and so I, I don't too, blame right? the parents because they had to work. I'm, I would never do that. Okay. Um, because I know kids. Yeah. That had the computer <laughs> and didn't uh-huh. work. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Right. I can, I can right. see that. I can see that. I can relate. I know. So here's something. Mm-hmm. What can you do? Yes. So you yeah. have many people that are still experiencing periods of isolation. Okay. Everyone, check on your people. Call them, check mm. on people who may be isolated and just need somebody to talk to. Okay, mm. okay. You know, during the pandemic, I started going through my phone. I, I was at home with everybody else, and I started going through my phone. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, I haven't talked to this person in a while. Let me call them and see how they're doing. Mm. And even now, I, <laughs> it's something just from time to time, whenever the mood hits me. I will pick up my phone and call somebody and say, how are you doing? I just hadn't talked to you and thought I'd call and check on you. So what else can people do? Mm-hmm. can join the Northeast Ohio Black Health Coalition. Okay. And how, okay. Do, how do people do that? How do you do that? Yes. One way would be 
send me an email. Okay. It's L P U G H N E O B H C at gmail.com. Okay. And then just say you want to become a member and I can respond with information on how to do that. And so when you are a member, what does that mean? So I'm a member of the Northeast Ohio Black Health Coalition. So what does that mean? It means you support us financially. Okay. 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 There's an annual fee mm-hmm. to be a member. Okay. And then you're listed in our in our documents where we have a list, you know, our membership list. You would be included there. You can attend our meetings. Like you could attend our meetings even if you're not a member. And some people attend meetings and then they say, Hey, I, I think I want to join this organization once they learn a little more about us okay. being involved. Okay. Hmm. So that's great. So tell me before we end, you know, you have talked about your important initiatives. I've seen you talk about this. I can see it. I see it on the emails that you sent out and Facebook, but the national call for mental free communities, smoke free communities. What's that about? This is our, okay. our no menthol initiative. Yeah, menthol. Mm-hmm. So we are educating the public in Northeast Ohio about the harmful effects of menthol tobacco products with a goal of ending the sale of these products. Oh. Oh, wow. <laughs> right. Whoa. Whoa. You're going up against the big boys. So now, right, what we've got going right now is our You've Been Targeted campaign, which features 11 billboards throughout Northeast Ohio. We have, there are one billboard in Youngstown, there's one in Warren, there's one in Lorraine, there's one in Canton, and the other seven are in the city of Cleveland. And so the billboards have, they say, you've been targeted for death. Menthol makes smoking easier to start, harder to quit. Mm. And on one side, there is a picture um, of someone. So it's basically as if that person is telling you, you've been targeted. (laughs) Okay, I get it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Reverend Lou Macklin is on the one in Youngstown. Reverend uh, Todd Johnson is on the one in Warren. Okay. I'm on one of the billboards in Cleveland. Okay. And, yes, I drove up to Cleveland to take a picture of it. Um, (laughs) Oh, wow. I have the artwork for all of them, but I wanted to see mine, actually. Okay. And then um, our executive director, Yvonne Hall, is on one. Uh, We've got a number of of prominent people throughout Northeast Ohio on these billboards. Okay. We want people to share their stories related to smoking with us and respond to our survey. Okay. The stories will bring attention to how people are affected by smoking. Mm-hmm. So this could be someone who smoke currently smokes, a former smoker, someone in their family smoked. Uh, it could talk about how that affected them. Some people, you know, due to secondhand smoke, have mm-hmm. things like bronchitis and mm-hmm. and other conditions. They didn't smoke, but maybe parents or some other family member smoked. We want those stories. Okay. So we hope to bring attention to the fact that tobacco companies have focused advertising, 
promoting concerts and music festivals on African Americans, and even giving away cigarettes to youth, hooking them on their products. They've used our culture, our music, and our youth, and blacks are disproportionately affected by the effects of smoking with higher rates of smoking-related disease and death. We've got some other initiatives. We, uh, we're working with other organizations around racism in the healthcare system. Yeah, I saw that, yes. We also want people to submit their stories related to this. The stories help to highlight the treatment of patients and work, even workers okay. and how, they're, how they are treated by doctors, nurses, administrators, anyone within the healthcare system that patients, visitors, and family members have contact with. So having examples of how people have been treated and talked to mm. yeah. provides a focus for our efforts. That's critical also, how patients are talked to. I had the opportunity um, to be in a meeting where some of these stories were shared, and I was appalled. Uh-huh. I was absolutely appalled. I had to put a nurse. I had to put a nurse in check last week about the way that she was, you know, talking to a family member or some families during this time of COVID. You know, my thing is, we're all tired, but you mm-hmm. can't let that affect your your way that you're treating patients today. Mm. You know, it's a big problem. It's a big problem. Mm-hmm. So we've got another initiative. Okay. Our vaccine initiative which also features a billboard campaign. Okay. Those billboards aren't up yet. They will go up in December. No, excuse me. They'll go up in November. Okay. Um, We've got a couple more weeks. Our little menthol billboards are up now. Okay. When those come down, then our vaccine initiative billboards are going to go up. So the campaign is called The Ups. Back up, mask up, wash up, roll up. Ah. Okay. Wow. So we, <laughs> we are encouraging people to prevent the spread of COVID-19 and the flu by getting vaccinated, keeping a safe distance from others, washing their hands frequently, and mm-hmm. wear a mask when out. Mm-hmm. Until we reach herd immunity, social distancing, washing our hands, and wearing masks will help to prevent the spread of COVID-19. For people who may listen to this that don't know what herd immunity is. That is where you have a certain percentage of the population who has been vaccinated, which will reduce the opportunity of encountering an infected individual. And I have been following this, and I haven't heard them yet. I'm not sure what they're saying to herd immunity it's going to be, I just, I remember from my studies, for measles, herd immunity was something like 84%, where you it's had to have 80%. It's 90% now, uh, Dr. Q. It's probably around, because of the Delta variant and more people being okay. unvaccinated, it's around 90%, which is a lot. That's why I was saying yesterday in my lecture, you don't hear a lot about herd immunity that much anymore because... It's just such a stretch now because it's not the vaccines have been unequally distributed. So you, mm-hmm. when you talk about herd immunity, you're talking about global herd immunity. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 90% in my mind, that was kind of the number that I thought we probably mm-hmm. need to reach. So, yeah, that's mm-hmm. a lot of more people. 
that means that are going to need to be vaccinated. That's and the key. But I the think reasons why they don't want to uh-huh. are kind of bizarre. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. So yeah, I've heard some. I've heard some stuff now, and what mm-hmm. which which bothers me is that we have these in you know intelligent influencers out there talking mm-hmm. out the side of their neck. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable! It's just unbelievable. You know, and it's, it's like okay, um, obviously you must not have passed your biology class in high school or something. Right. Right. It's just unbelievable. Because <laughs> right. there are certain things that you just kind of know. Doesn't yeah. matter who's in charge, government or not government. A virus is a virus. It doesn't care who's in right. charge. <laughs> exactly. And it's constantly changing. Constantly it's constantly changing. changing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, boy. That's a whole different podcast on its own. Why are we stuck on stupid? But, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, people have choices, but we hope that people make the right choice because sometimes if you don't, you will end up in in, um, a bad situation, and that might be the hospital. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And let me say this. It's young people who are not vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The older people are getting vaccinated. Our executive director um, was re- spoke with a doctor yesterday who told her none of her patients under the age of 55 will get the vaccination. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the spread is happening. It's in the younger right. population. Mm-hmm. So we are, while we want, uh, you know, we're hoping to convince everyone or as many people as possible you know, some of our efforts are really going to be focused on young people. So we're bringing young people to help us get to other young people, to help us get the message to other young people. And I would also add, if I might, before we end, uh, you know, another big thing, and this has been on the back burner, nobody seems to be talking about HIV. While you're targeting young people, remind them of PrEP. I was talking to these students, and out of 30 students yesterday, only one of them had ever heard of the pre-exposure prophylaxis that will prevent anybody from getting HIV. So hopefully you all will incorporate some of that Mm. into your messaging campaigns for young people because everybody's forgotten about HIV with, you know, with COVID now. Well, one thing that, you know, that Yvonka always is saying is that people don't realize COVID is a sexually transmitted disease. Well, pretty much. I mean, pretty (laughs) much. I always say this. When people say, well, what happened? I say, well, maybe they they kept their mask off. Ooh, uh. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. So we we will definitely end on that. But what I will say is we are so happy that you came here to talk. Great. And and congratulations on your your new role. We appreciate you. I definitely Yes, and I definitely will be Vicky Doe Fitness will make a commitment to help and donate to the Northeast Ohio Black Health coalition because we love all the things that you are doing thank you 
we didn't talk about food insecurity. I know, but we always <laughs> talk, and I would yeah. say to that, just buy a damn grocery store now. Come on, we've been waiting. <laughs> yeah, put one okay. in the city. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stop putting all these stores out in the, the suburbs, Howland and Boardman and all these other places. You know, bring them home right. into the city. I agree. City, you know. Yeah, just so, do yeah. it. Instead of talking about it, we always talk about it. And I, what they say, ain't seen nary one yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did have some exactly. initiatives. Okay, that's good. Help. Oh, you that's do? Okay. During COVID. That's good. We're that's good. 30 days worth of meals were delivered to okay. people's homes. Okay, good. Good, good, good. That's a good thing. Yeah, I remember, yeah. I remember when Ivanka came on the show and she did talk about how she was inspired to start getting those uh, meals you know what was it lunch what was it lunch and something you guys were doing well they started doing lunch lunches for the kids okay and um the from the camp from the cleveland schools because they had to get on the bus and go to the school to get the food and uh-huh. those families that had disabled children who weren't able to do that, she began to put these packages together for them. Um, oh. And over time, it evolved and grew. She was doing it in the beginning. She did it every day. Okay. Um, but by the end, it had evolved to for that they would receive enough for the month. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's what it is now? They're not doing that now because the kids are back in school. Okay. Although she is giving turkeys and all the fixings for a turkey dinner for some a, a number of families. Okay. Oh, okay. Right, right. Okay. And and then she did midnight meals with a message. It was a way to take food to the most dangerous and violent neighborhoods in Cleveland because violence and food insecurity go hand in hand. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. So there. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, we appreciate you. Tell us again um, how folks can come or call you or do whatever they need to do to help or be involved with the Northeast Ohio Black Health Coalition. They can find us on our website. Okay. If you go to the, go to the web and uh, just do a Google search for Northeast Ohio Black Health Coalition, mm-hmm. you will find our website. Find us on Facebook. Either uh, you can search for N-E-O-B-H-C and, again, can um, reach us by contacting me by email, L-P-U-G-H-N-E-O-B-H-C at gmail.com. We've got several events coming up that we'd like people to be involved in. Our African American Policy Committee meets the second Monday of each month from 2 to 3 p.m., no menthol fighting for our lives are those meetings are every two weeks on monday from 12 to 1 p.m our COVID support group meets every second and fourth tuesday from 5 30 to 6 p.m and our rhapsody in black national call to action for healthy menu options in faith-based institutions will be january 18th 2022 from 10 to 11 a.m and information on on how to access all of our events are currently virtual. Okay. And by contacting me mm-hmm. uh, or or finding us on Facebook, you'll be able to find in more information about that. 
but I can always be contacted. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Pugh. <laughs> that was great. You're welcome. Thank wonderful. you for having me. I love being on with you ladies. We love being <laughs> on with you. We love having you too. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so I, I, appreci- I appreciate the time and the opportunity to talk about our efforts. All right. Well, so great. Really- Keep doing good things. Keep doing fantastic things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for your support, ladies. All right, then. And you, you ladies right. take care of yourself. Okay. All right, you too. Okay. Right. Okay. Bye-bye. 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 Now, this ends our show, D. Do you have some tips that we should think about? It was always good to talk to Dr. Q. First of all, I didn't realize the span of the organization all the way from Wayne and Carroll County all the way up to Trumbull County. That's a pretty wide swath of uh, people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're trying to attack all the, a, a lot of the health care disparities that are associated with social determinants of health and also that, you know, the scab was ripped off when COVID came along. So, you know, they're really, they've got a lot of grants and they're working on a lot of initiatives mm-hmm. in, in this area. So it was good. Yes. Very good. Yes, yeah. I love that. What I didn't know that she brought to our attention was that the prevalence of bladder cancer for hairdressers. Yes. Yes. Isn't that something? You know, as I was thinking about that, you know, I wonder, you know, with all these chemicals and stuff, I remember when uh, when we took classes from Professor Bright and we were dealing with all these paints and stuff, mm-hmm. you have to have adequate ventilation in these facilities. Mm-hmm. And you wonder with whether or not a lot of these beauty salons are able to afford adequate ventilation when they're dealing with all these chemicals in the hair and the stuff is going right into their system. Mm. So, yeah, you know, I'm surprised that OSHA hasn't done more or that there hasn't been more publicity about About that. I know. Wow. Yeah. 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 So that was something to learn. And so uh, we want to, I know, we want to encourage everybody to look up this organization, this nonprofit organization, Northeast Ohio Black Health Coalition, and you know, reach out. You can become a member or just help, donate, do all the things that you can do to help this organization because they are doing a lot of great things for our community. And as always, for more information, go to our website, vickidofitness.com. And remember, if you have any questions, comments, or just something to say, tweet us, email us, go on Facebook, and share with us your thoughts. You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. Vicki Doe is owner of Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicki by email at info at vickidofitness.com.